Fables Around the Table Continuum is a tense horror tale set in space. Our story features adult language and includes subjects and themes that may be upsetting for some audiences. This includes mental health, trauma, loss of autonomy, self-harm and suicide, descriptions of blood and gore, and death. Listen at your own discretion. Your modest apartment isn't the tidiest it's ever been, but it's not too much of a disaster considering the busy week you've had preparing for your first day at your new job tomorrow. The furniture is the bland, standard make that comes with all the apartments on the station. You've made some attempt to personalize the place with simple throw pillows and other decorations that give the beige unit a little pop of color. An antique hourglass centerpiece sits on the middle of the small dining room table, a gift from your husband, Ruben, for graduating flight academy, sand falling down through it slowly under Luna's 1 G gravity. Translucent shears frame window banks on the wall, which glow a dull, warm orange color, very slowly dimming, simulating the setting sun on Earth. In reality, the other side of that wall is nothing more than one of Outpost A-37's massive utility mains. The air reclamation system is thankfully off-cycle at the moment. Otherwise, it'd be nearly impossible to hear the news program playing on the hologram-like display screen in front of the sofa. Tech mogul and CEO of Faraday Technologies, Orson Grouse is now officially broadening his horizons. After months of litigation to block the maneuver, Grouse's 137 billion credit bid for a controlling stake of Ether has gone through. Ether, the communication giant behind social media platform and all-encompassing web service Omninet, is one of the top 10 largest corporations in the solar system, along with Valkyrie Incorporated and Grouse's other company, Faraday. When asked for comment, Grouse only said that he's excited to shake things up. We will continue following this story and more after the break. Enhance your life with the new Omniphone X30 by Ether. The only fully CNI compatible hand terminal for everyday life, planet side, or among the stars. Speak with one of our friendly certified Omnipros about Idiot. today. Ruben says to the screen as he walks over to the couch. If he's trying to compete with Valkyrie, he's going to have a bad time. He plops down on the sofa next to you and hands you a glass of white wine. Riesling, found one actually made with real grapes. Delphine slowly sips at the wine glass and says, There's really nothing like the real thing. I know. The synthetic grapes just do not taste the same. He reaches forward and mutes the TV. Well, are you ready for tomorrow? I am. I'm so excited. I mean, this is everything that we've been dreaming for, right? Like, mm -hmm. ah. Yeah, and it's a way cushier job than mine. I mean, don't get me wrong, flying for Valkyrie is great, but uh, the benefits suck. I mean, we're never going to find great benefits. No. But this will help us both out. For sure. You guys just sit and chat, I think, and eventually finish off your wine and go to bed. 
Music. A series of bright electric guitar chords. The music is playing, and you hear the female automated voice of the ship's AI, Ava, automated vessel admin. Good morning, crew. It is 1545 Earth Standard Time on January 6, 2133, at a solar orbit of 5.1171 astronomical units, in an automated approach to Ganymede Orbital Cache B13. Your wake-up song is Forgive and Forget by Northern Weather 2022. Delphine, you don't know where you are. You awaken in a stasis pod. The last thing you remembered, you went to bed with your husband. You look around and four other individuals are exiting identical stasis pods on what appears to be the deck of a ship. Delphine will look around, but then uh, extricate herself from her own pod as well. Yep. And the rest of you, Jack and Seabold and Cameron and B, all wake up as well to the kind of emo rock sounds of the early 21st century retro band, <laughs> Northern Weather. Your AI really likes these over 100-year-old songs for some reason. <laughs> yeah, who the hell put this music on here, man? Gosh, this is like music for my grandma. <laughs> my cool grandma, but my grandma. Yeah, I didn't realize we said this to a classic rock station. <laughs> also, you would know this is the standard. This AI randomly picks a song, and it's like always been from like the late 20th, early 21st century. <laughs> it never gets better than this. Yeah, it's like, when are we going to get the modern jizz music? <laughs> Excuse me, the what? <laughs> That's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> I was just going to let that one roll. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. <laughs> Excuse me? I guess it's canon that we're now in Star Wars. We're not in a Star Wars. <laughs> we're not in a Star War, guys. We are not in a Star War, but we do have jizz. I have made it canon. <laughs> me too. I hate that. <laughs> um, you were saying about my husband <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real the jizz music jizz music for sure <laughs> delphine um you're getting out of the stasis pod um and you're just so disoriented i actually need you to make a sanity roll oh heck so that's going to be a d100 and you're trying to roll beneath your sanity score where's my sanity score mm-hmm <laughs> Can I roll this on the... Ooh. You can. Rolling a D100. Yep. Okay, so I rolled a 42, and my sanity score is a 55. Okay, so you managed to keep your composure, but you have no memory of how you got here. The other people around you don't seem to be acting weird. They are casually chatting and joking with each other. You do not know who they are. Do um, I not remember Seabold? Uh, Seabolt looks vaguely familiar. And actually, as you, as you kind of look at him, like, kind of the memories start to come back a little bit, where, like, you, you knew him before. And, like, something about joining a ship, there was an explosion. It, it bits and pieces. You're very disoriented. I think Delphine is going to act like everything is normal. I think she supposes that, despite not remembering what's going on or how she got here, that she's supposed to be here or everyone else would think that something was wrong 
Um, she does stay relatively quiet, but does like step forward and kind of like join where everybody else is standing. As the medical officer, would I be aware of any like thing that would be like a side effect of being in like the stasis pod? Oh yeah, the uh, the Cryotech brand stasis pods that you guys have are outdated pieces of shit, and memory loss is a very common and real side effect. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that the first thing then, as I would come out of the stasis pod, would be to like check on my other crewmates for this exact reason. Yep. And I think I think you can instantly tell something is a little off with Delphine. So. Cameron is going to approach Delphine and look at her and say, all right, Gallagher, Gallagher, are you there? As you kind of like snapping fingers in front of you. Mm, yes, I'm, I'm here. Um, uh, let's start off things here. Tell me what's my name. Make another sanity check for me. <laughs> okay. It's a 45. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you kind of piece it together. Cam Cameron, Cameron, his name is Cameron. Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. Okay. Um, he gets like the pen. He gets the pen on everything. He's like, "All right, listen, follow the pen for me." Okay. All right, good. You can see her eyes are dilated. She seems like a little photosensitive, um, a little unsteady on her feet. All right, Thunderbird. Um, what's going on here is you currently have a little bit of problems with some memory loss that should come back in time. Okay. Yep. So try to relax. You're on a ship. You're supposed to be here. And that's when you remember your husband died. Oh. Memory loss. You remember me, right? And Seabold comes over and, like, points at himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seabold. I remember you. Oh, okay. So, like, good things, right? Only the best. Okay. All right. Well, at least you remember me. And Seabold now feels silly for saying anything at all. And we'll walk off. <laughs> what is the rest of the crew doing here? Uh, Jack, you obviously see that your pilot seems to be a little bit worse for wear after that particular stint in the stasis pods. Uh, mm. But Cameron seems to be attending to her. Uh, Jack is already in the process of unscrewing the side panel on the uh, on the cryo station to get at one of his beers that he has hidden under there. To um, Nice. Because they stay frosty, uh, but of seeing course. yeah, seeing that our pilot is uh, currently indisposed, um, and knowing that he's got a pretty good handle on it, uh, while she's getting taken care of, he's gonna walk over and um, just probably bang the beer on the side of the table to pop the top off of it, and then head over oh, yeah. to uh, to the piloting station. There's hundreds of scuffs along the edge of that particular console. <laughs> Yeah, you get up to your station. The ship is going through the normal, like, kind of wake-up procedures, which is to kind of, like, start slowly shifting the ship's subsystems from autopilot while you guys are in stasis to manual control. Um, obviously not fully turning it over until, like, you're ready. But, like, lights are coming on. The life support systems that are normally turned off when everyone is in stasis because, you know, that costs money. And that's the whole reason you guys are in stasis for, you know, only a couple weeks to a month between trips between celestial bodies in the solar system, just because it's way cheaper to put you guys out than it is to feed you and supply you with oxygen <laughs> for that time. 
But as everything is coming back online, automatically a news broadcast pops up on the console, kind of comes in mid broadcast. Still no word on the severity of these cyber attacks and what personal user data, if any, was compromised. Ether affirms that Omninet users have nothing to fear and that their cybersecurity measures have never been stronger. Company representatives have stated that they believe Seize Back the Sky is responsible for the attacks. As of now, the Fringe Activist Group denies any such involvement. Hmm. That sounds like a problem for future us. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Delphine, over the next few minutes, your memory does, in fact, come back to you. The accident, the lawsuit, you losing everything. Insult to injury, not only losing your husband, but the company he worked for coming after you for your savings because they blamed him. They cared more about the destruction of the ship he was flying than his life. You had no choice but to find a new gig. Memory desync detected. Downlink complete. Good morning, crew. It is 0214 Earth Standard Time on October 7th, 2133, at a solar orbit of positioning error. Your wake-up song is Before I Disappear by Highland Rose, 2021. Delphine, you wake up in your cryopod and you hear... Ava announced that it is, in fact, the same date and time as it was when you just woke up yesterday? Earlier? It's weird. And you, along with the rest of your companions, awaken in the stasis deck of SMS-108, your ship, the Clusterfuck, again. What do you guys do? Suffer. No, <laughs> And like the first time, uh, your good buddy Cameron is not moving. No, I, I think the the standard wake-up protocol of get out of pod, wipe slime off face, grab beer from the hidden compartment under the, um, under the cryopod takes place. And then, like, there's, like, the, the three-second delay of, oh, oh, wait, no, hang on a second. And... I think Jack probably just starts, like, checking everything to see what we start the day with to see if anything has changed. Yeah. Like, are you doing that by, like, going into Ava's systems, uh, like, sort of like before? Or how are you, how are you going about doing that? Yeah. I, I think first is the, like, personal pat down of, like, do I have something different? Because I think, I think Jack had grabbed somebody's computer. Oh, yeah. Time. That you don't have that. Um, yeah. No. All right. Um, then, like confirming that everything is actually as it was uh, yeah. when we woke up I think Jack probably runs off to the main computer room just to to double check on uh, on everything just to see if it's the same as it was sounds good and um, I will say this mechanically um, your health is all back to full but your stress is not mm -hmm. so wherever your stress was at the end of the last session that remains but your health is now back to full um if anyone was paying attention to B, they would see like she would like wake up in horror and like feel her collarbone because that snapped last time. 
Oh yeah. And like upon like feeling it there, she'll like get out of her cryopod and she'll like look relieved, like, oh my god, it was just a dream, and like turn to look at Cam's pod and see the red light and immediately just slam her fist into the wall. Which fist? Her mechanical one. Oh yeah, that wall breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you damage some of the standard sci-fi electrical conduit. (laughs) Yep. Uh, um, You mind mind telling me why you just uh, punched a hole in that wall that I got to fix now? It was a nightmare. Yeah, I know. So you, you you just go around breaking walls because of a nightmare? He's still dead. Oh, yeah. That, I guess that is true. But we're not dead. Did you die? I, clearly, I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm still here, aren't I? Did you? I had a dream where we all died. I mean, I think I also dreamed I so died. I. Um, trying to help one of you. Was it me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. I think Jack crackles over the the comm system and says, um, All right, everyone, I think um, one of two things has happened to us. Either uh, we're all being punished for our vast litany of sins and caught in some sort of existential hellscape (laughs) scenario, in which case I recommend you all buckle up, because if we're burning through each of ours individually, I got a whole lot to get through. Or... And this is probably more likely, but I'm not counting out the first one. Uh, there's something to do with that singularity that's, that, that's trapped us here. And I specifically requested no more weird shit today, so I would like today to end, please. Yeah, you guys hear Jack's voice come down over the radio from the subsystems deck, deck two. I mean, are you sure that it's not something else? You sure something's not contaminating the air here? Maybe some spores, some kind of, I don't know, hallucinogenic drugs, something like that? You know what? That is, um, that's a very good point. Uh, and Jack has skills in botany, and I would love to make some sort of botany skill check. Sure. Um, if there's any sort of, like, uh sensor array that I might be able to hook up to my personal uh, computer just to like test the air yeah um, can do that the uh, life support subsystems on deck 2 that you're on right now has the ability to run diagnostics on the breathable air of the ship so you can definitely kind of uh, well, it, as a reminder, I, I almost said, like, roll your chair over to that console, uh, but it is zero G. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will roll my chair anyway, <laughs> goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> Do a barrel roll. Um, yeah, so you can kind of push off from the, uh, like, Ava's uh, uh, system console um, kind of across the deck over to life support and uh, run some diagnostics. And you can go ahead and make an intellect check, um, and you can go ahead and add your botany. All right, so I got uh, a plus 10 for botany. My intellect is 43. Uh, stat, intellect, botany, roll. Hey, uh, I got a 69, which is not nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> not, well, yeah, nice, but also above your 
stat even with that plus 10 from your botany. Um, yeah, everything is reading normal best you can tell. There's nothing that's really jumping out here, but um, just given the disorientation of the situation that you're in and the fact that you like rolled out of your cryopod like four minutes ago, yeah, it's a lot of numbers, but at a glance, doesn't seem that there's any contaminants in the air. Seabold, I, I appreciate your um, your suggestions. Uh, I don't. I, I think I think we're probably fine in here. Um, which then leads us to everything else. So, y'all got any uh, y'all got any ideas on on what we need to do to to fix this? Cause I, boy, I just don't want to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> What if we just get out? Can we just leave? Yes. Can we just leave? You can try. Actually, um, you know, that's a good point. Let me let me check uh, Ava's systems, because I seem to recall we don't have any way to navigate. Like, uh, like our navigation array was busted. The, the navigation system seems to be fine. It just can't locate your current positioning mm. because it can't reach the positioning beacons that are scattered throughout the solar system. For whatever reason, you're out of reach of the relay to triangulate your location. The systems all seem fine. Ah, okay. So we would need to know where the closest relay point is to go to that, to then leave. Or you can point your nose to the sun and fly until you like potentially get Yeah, we just signal. need to get moving so that we could potentially I... find one. <laughs> I thought you meant like, yeah, just fucking fly in the sun, stupid. <laughs> no. Just yeah, like, I, thought, I thought that's what you're you meant a ridiculous too, amount of. I was like, we'll yeah. just burn up. Yeah, like you no. know what? That that is a way Find out. Find a north star and go towards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> third star from the right, straight on till morning. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. You are ridiculously far from the sun. You are way out in the Kuiper Belt. Uh, if you point your nose to the sun, you will burn up. Like I don't know, in shit, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, you do still have the sun as a landmark. You can see it. It's small. It actually, at a glance, doesn't look like much more than all the other stars in the sky, except for the fact that it is brighter. It's not any bigger to the eye, but it is brighter. But yeah, so you could definitely use that as a just to like manually try and travel until you can get a nav signal. Yeah. It looks like all your systems are still online. Control to undock from this airlock and the station is all still there. Interesting. What time is it? So if you recall, Ava did in fact say the time when you woke up. 0214 Earth Standard Time. Um, so two and a quarter in the morning. On what day? On October 7th, 2133. Okay. Which is the, the same time stamp as when you woke up from cryo previously. All right. Exactly. And we got the audio logs from Cameron, correct? Yeah, it was a audio log conversation that happened back and forth between him and an associate of his named Ira. Okay. Um, I think Jack will probably run to Cameron's body and get the, uh, the computer and navigate over to the audio messages to confirm what time the last one came in, which was at 31, at like 1231 this morning. So about yeah. two hours ago. Yep. 
So, all right. So whatever that thing was happened about two hours ago, which means probably everybody's already dead on that station. And that thing's just waiting for us. So what was the problem with leaving? Well, we can try, but something tells me that... It probably uh, won't be that easy. If we fire up our engines, it's going to jump to us. Out of character, I am very intrigued by the idea of trying to leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm here to say that we don't actually have any business here. The only reason why we're here is because this fucker brought us here. And Siebold points at Cameron and just says, so, you know, if we're voting, I'm totally down to get the fuck out of here. Don't talk about him like that. Look, I'm sorry, look, but he's dead. We're not. He brought us here to this death trap. I think I deserve at least that. There's a look that crosses B's face that I bet Seabold is very familiar with, which is resisting the urge to punch again. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's worth a try. There's nothing saying that we won't just wake back up here tomorrow, but if we can try and escape, we might as well fucking do it, right? Um, you wanna, you wanna get shit in gear? Let's, let's just fucking try. I'm in. I think Jack, like, locks eyes with Delphine and just, like, does the points at my eyes, points at your eyes, uh, and just gestures towards the navigation area and just starts heading off. We'll follow. Yeah. You guys head back up to deck two, uh, the subsystems, so you can start going through your processes of disconnecting from the station and turning tail and burning away from this place. You obviously get errors when you try and uh, punch in a, a nav heading, but you can punch in clearance with Ava to navigate manually. Doing a lot of mental math. Right. Yeah. But yeah, then you guys presumably all get to your flight stations, your flight couches, which are, they're called couches, but they're just chairs. <laughs> <laughs> They're chairs designed to withstand the high G's of an intense burn when such a thing does in fact occur. And you're ready to disconnect and go. All right, kids, strap in. The faster we can get away from this thing, the uh, faster we can hopefully get back towards civilization again. Sounds good to me, Cap. Delphine. This is where I hit, hit buttons and ready go. <laughs> yeah, do the, do the thing. We're starship pilots. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Delphine takes a moment to touch the like name patch she has on. Uh, it just says her last name, Gallagher. And then it's time to go. She hits all of the appropriate buttons because I know about yep. spaceships. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually not that many physical analog buttons it's almost all controlled on like a touchscreen style display on a mounted arm Ooh, in front the of you appropriate touchscreen buttons yeah and it's that like almost hologram like microfilament surface and you punch the sequence to disconnect and everything lurches backwards as the ship begins to drift 
away from the station and all of you positioned in your flight couches on the bridge can kind of see through the forward viewports which is video projection there's not actually glass here you see the ring of continuum station drift away from you and you can kind of see a couple things about the station that you couldn't previously tell you know that you were docked at module six so based off of that two modules clockwise from that location, uh, presumably module eight, appears to have suffered a catastrophic hull breach. There's debris and everything floating around and a huge gaping hole in the side and a large external instrument array is also disconnected and slightly rotating probably a couple dozen meters away from where that hull breach occurred. And the station doesn't appear to be spinning particularly fast, but you do, in fact, see the large singularity beyond the station that is slowly starting to accumulate an accretion disk as it starts gobbling up all of the nearby ice rocks and asteroids and such in the Kuiper Belt. Well, that's terrifying. Um, (laughs) Good. (laughs) Now, I... I seem to remember that there was a large explosion that happened while we were on the ship, which I feel like we deduced was the power? Yes. Yeah. Um, and to your knowledge, that has not yet occurred. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess Jack's just burning a mental image of the outside of this place into his head. Mm. And you did see a like a module deck plan of the station. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... Mm-hmm. I, Adam Seats, I'm looking at it, but Jack is looking at it for the first time. <laughs> well, Jack wouldn't have access to it now because that was accessed through Isaac, the station's oh, computer. So you don't actually have it in front of you now, but you can recall it to the best of Jack's ability. Yeah. So do we see anything, I don't know, black and tentacly making its way out of the ship towards us? Not that you can see. All right. I hate when you put it that way. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well. It's like the the perception check where you're like, I don't know, everything seems fine. Yeah. But I rolled a 20, do I see it? (laughs) Seems fine. (laughs) Seabold is not even really paying attention to the station as we're flying away. Because he's just like, okay, we're out of here. You do, in fact, see another vessel that was docked on the other side of the same module you were docked to, but its make and model isn't discernible from here or its affiliation. Does it look like a normal ship? Uh, yes, it doesn't look alien, if that's what you're asking. That it, because I, I swear I, I remember in some of the audio logs we got from the ship that there was an alien vessel. Yes, that is correct. When the black hole was found, there was an alien craft orbiting it. Okay, but there is no such craft that we can see at the moment no okay okay well might as well see if we can get away from this thing because uh the way the way i see it we probably we got we got three things we can do here we can leave we can accomplish our mission and we can do the other thing that's the third tenet of the game mothership that we're playing that i've forgotten and i thought this was going to be really cool (laughs) Uh, point point being we could probably do one and a half of these things so if we can get out of here and gain whatever knowledge we can as we watch this thing get smaller and smaller in our dust, then so much the better. Because, uh, boy, I, I just do not want to go back on that thing. Me neither. One final question to you, Nick, as we are hopefully burning away from this. Yeah, I don't see why this wouldn't work. 
<laughs> um, yeah. Uh, can we try and hail Isaac, the computer? Uh, like, is there any way for us to hail that computer from here? You can try. Um, it would probably be something where you'd have to ask Ava to try and make communications with um, the station. Yeah, we. Uh, mm, yeah, what's sure. the that? <laughs> um, Ava. Ava's voice chimes up. Attempting to hail VKR seven seven four. And then there's a pause, and then after eh, probably about a minute, you hear Isaac's voice pop up. Hello, I am Isaac. VKR-774's integrated subsystem and administrative client. How can I be of service? Do I remember correctly that we got a passcode from um, somewhere in there last time that, that let us bypass something on Isaac to get to stuff? Yeah, in the audio logs that you found on Cameron's thing, there's Ira's passcode that he gave Cameron in an attempt to let Cameron get the um, hidden away files that he put on all the consoles but you know that those can only be accessed locally got it the only way to access them remotely was through ira's hand terminal which was destroyed in whatever event killed him right right okay Isaac, can you can you transmit to our uh to our ship here any uh public facing information you might have about the situation um the the purpose of vkr 774 apologies We have, God, can we bluff a computer? Why not? This is the space future. You can try. Um, we, we have explicit permission from Ira Darnell to uh, to take as much information as we can. I don't suppose you could just use those credentials and, uh, and send it to us, could you? Apologies. Due to my security redundancies, I am unable to access such information and broadcast it off station. Yeah, it was worth a shot. Is there anything else I can help you with? Uh, Jack looks to the rest of you guys. Can we think of anything else? <clears throat> Sorry. Can we think of anything else we need? B B puts her hands together and then ex like expands them as if to say like boom. Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> you know what? Hey, uh, Isaac, I, I got a request for you. Uh, it looks like uh, your science module has been compromised. I don't suppose you could go ahead and just um, I don't know, enact a self-destruct sequence here just in case, could you? Apologies. I do not have current capabilities of doing such a thing. Any such protocol would have to be orchestrated by an operative aboard the station at clearance level four or higher. Oh, you digital son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> well, at that, module 10 explodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and communication with Isaac cuts off abruptly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just checking what time is it right now? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. It is exactly 0245, 36 minutes since you woke up. Christ, really? <laughs> we, we Oh my God, that's so little time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Y'all want to see if we can get the hell out of here before um, something gets worse. By which I mean, we've been moving this whole time, but I don't know how fast we're actually going. Yeah, so you kind of turn tail. I think you've been going at like uh, like a leisurely cruising speed. And I think when that happens, Delphine, uh, you're free to punch a hard burn to try and put this station behind you. I do indeed attempt. 
to do so. It would be protocol to warn your crewmates and count down that burn so they're properly positioned in their couches. The beam <laughs> just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so with no countdown to the burn, you guys are just suddenly pushed into your crash couches under probably eight Gs of pressure. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it could be worse. Uh, Delphine isn't trying to kill you all, but you are trying to get away from this place as quickly as possible. Yeah, so how long do you want to hold that burn for? Just as long as you can? I feel like 80% of what we possibly could do just to have a little bit on the back burner. Aha. Just in case. Sure. Aha. Uh -huh. 80% of safety is like, you know, actually... 35% your total fuel capacity because presumably you would need the same amount of fuel to decelerate. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, because the, the way this works is the sci-fi uh, fusion engines will constantly accelerate you, which is what generates gravity on your stacked deck configuration. But that also means that when you get the halfway point, you have to flip around and decelerate. So that's why like cruising speed is usually only about a G. Uh, because it lets people walk around and pretty normally. But uh, but yeah, so you keep that burn going for probably, you know, another 10 minutes or so. And while it does appear like you were moving away from the station, it doesn't appear like you're moving away from the black hole. And in fact, the black hole almost seems like it's getting bigger the longer you burn. Nightmare logic. Love that. <laughs> so it appears light is moving weirdly around it. Are you just are you just driving us into the black hole? <laughs> just backing it up in there. <laughs> you know, that's a thought. If we can't get away, we could go in. <laughs> <laughs> well, if our eyes aren't deceiving us, that appears to be what we're doing anyway. That's, you know, that's fair. Um um, I'm gonna be real, y'all. I, uh, I mean, aside from basic pilot and math, I don't really know advanced um, quantum physics and whatnot. So I don't really know how these things work. Uh, I don't know if any of you do, because um, I sure would love an explanation on this. Uh, it's almost like you got to go in the station for answers. Nope, I fucking won't. <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> You son of a bitch, I will avoid this plot as much as I can. <laughs> Jack says to the universe. Uh, <laughs> Angry man yells uh, at clouds. Siebel just wants to do his job. What a what a delightful little capitalist you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, how much longer do you try this for? Daphine looks at Jack. <laughs> um, do we have any way to actually measure our distance from the station? Just... Just in the hope that maybe this is some sort of optical illusion and that we have actually been making speed away. I'm going to say like that sort of those sort of instruments are kind of tied to your nav computer, yeah. um, which is still not not online. All right. fully. Well, it is online, but it's not receiving positioning data. So there's no way to do it with instruments. Um, you could try to use techniques to figure that out by eye. Um, but, you know, that would be the entirely imprecise. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you're seeing the black hole get larger, but not necessarily the station, makes it seem like it might be extra wonky to try and do that anyway. Yeah, but, you know, I, I live in hope, right? Um, <laughs> all right. 
I got one last ditch effort here. Uh, I, I saw this in a video one time. I think we can probably slingshot ourselves around here. We just gotta point ourselves directly down, and that way if we can't get away from it normally, we can just build up enough speed by using its own gravitational pull to just escape that way. How, how y'all feeling about that? Whatever gets us out of here. Yeah, I just, I, I really would like to go to Pluto at this time. <laughs> yeah. We got a job to do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but I would really love to just get back to fucking hauling bullshit for this company. Um, you know, something something tells me that uh, those old videos probably didn't have a whole lot of good hard science on this, so I don't actually know if we're going to be able to uh, do it. But hey, uh, let's let's uh, let's prep a slingshot just in case. Um, and what basically what I'm describing is like instead of pointing outward from the um, mm -hmm. from the black hole, instead pointing uh, galactic down, <laughs> I guess, so that you know we would yeah. like orbit around it and like come back around. Yeah, um, yeah, you're uh, you're basically uh, kind of diving into the gravity well and with the intent to loop around and gain momentum to then launch yourself out. Exactly. Your standard orbital physics. Yeah. You know, that everyone knows. Because we live in the yeah, space we future. we all know this. Definitely brushed up on That's that. That's why we're all here right yeah. now. Yeah. Now, Delphine, you would know that this is a particularly hard maneuver to pull off when you don't have nav info. Um, but you've done it enough times that you feel pretty confident. Fiend is confident about this situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, I think Delphine needs to make me a check. I think I did great on the check that I just did, and I don't need to roll anything. Could I perhaps assist <laughs> Yeah, because you have... Yeah, uh, I also have piloting. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, Delphine, you can uh, go ahead and make a chat, uh, a stat check. Um, now, with this, um, I would say probably speed or intellect is there a particular stat that delphine is the best at because i would presume that that would be the stat that she uses to fly intellect yeah go ahead and make an intellect check and you can go ahead and use any uh flight based skills you have to increase your target threshold and you can roll twice and take the lower result because of jack's help now i do need you to uh no, Jack failed a uh, check earlier, right? I sure did. Yeah, so make sure you mark stress for that. Ah, oh, that's right. Um, yeah, every time you just... fail a check, mark stress. Got it. That's just one stress, correct? Yes. Oh, it automatically did it for me. Thanks, Mothership app. Nice. Shout out to the Mothership app. Yay! Yeah, and then also, as a reminder, just in general, if you get a double number, so 55, 66, 77, whatever, that's a critical. And if it's below your threshold it's critical success if it's above your threshold it's a critical fail noted so i rolled actually both times for underneath my threshold which with the with using intellect and then adding on the piloting skill i needed to get less than a 68 so i got a 39 yeah, so you cut off the current burn. Everybody feels themselves go weightless. <sighs> you reposition the ship with the like positioning thrusters. Um, you can see kind of out through the projected forward port, the thrusters on the nose 
jet to the one side, turning the ship around, now facing the black hole, and you initiate another burn to slingshot yourself around this black hole. And it is a strange experience because as you're flying closer to the black hole, it almost seems like it's moving further away from you. And you do rocket past VKR-774, the station, and moving towards the black hole. And while it does look like it's getting smaller, you do start maneuvering around it. Um, Because it's not actually that large. And you pull off this slingshot maneuver perfectly. And while it is wonky to watch because of the way light is being warped by the black hole, you execute it perfectly and be put the black hole behind you again and find yourselves in almost the exact same position where once you reach a certain point, the black hole begins, you know, gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you're getting away, but it doesn't actually seem like you're getting further away in relation to the station, even when you're maintaining a presumably another 8G burn. Delphine, we're all very impressed, but please, can we stop this burn now? I don't think it's going to work. It turns out an 8G burn and a a belly full of beer don't mix all that well. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Delphine wants to get the fuck away. (laughs) Delphine uh, is a very good pilot. Uh, She is not very good at people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a gentle ride. It is a perfect maneuver. It is not... Nice. <laughs> We're all very impressed by your flying, but please. Yeah. I don't know what to say because this should have worked. <laughs> yeah, agree. Um, well, I mean, I guess there's... Actually, uh, just time check. Uh, what time is it in universe? It is 0314, exactly an hour from when you woke up. Okay. Well... If we're not actually able to escape, and I think Jack just puts his head in his hands, uh, do, does the like almost cartoonish like wipe hand down the face. Um, so, how about we um maybe find a different way to interact with that uh that space station? We could blow it up. Can we? I don't think I remember us having explosives, but. I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to it. I'll <laughs> tell you what. Just for clarity, we we don't have explosives, right, Nick? No. Oh. Uh, you are a the equivalent of a semi-truck. Um, you've transported explosives in the past because mm-hmm. explosives are, in fact, used in mining operations. Um, however, you don't currently have any. Well, you know, normally I'd say something like, um, I mean, we could try blowing up the power, but that thing got to it first, so... Uh, I don't don't really think that's an option for us. Um, We know... Let's see. So we know that Module 8 blew up, which is the science module and the sensor array. And in fact, I will point out that um, that appears to have happened when Ira was recording his final message. Yeah. Because you could hear Isaac in the background of that recording saying, Hull breach detected in Module 8. Yeah, that tracks. Um, And now... Module 10 has exploded as well, correct? In, more specifically, Module 10B. Mm, the generator. Um, the fusion rea- fusion generator. Um, but that has severely damaged and taken out most of Module 10 as well. Okay. 
All right, um, let's think for a second, folks. We know that thing eats electricity or something, something like that. Do we have anything on the ship that can generate any sort of electrical pulse or something that might be able to uh, draw it away from us if we need to go hunting around or something like that? Seabold, I'd, I'd, I think you probably know better than the rest of us. Sure. Seabold <laughs> does, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, there are plenty of things on the ship that use electricity, that generate electricity, that transmit electromagnetic signals. Any power tool, basically. Any battery. You could probably modify something to, you know, send out EMF even better. You would, it would take a little bit of time to tinker with, but not that not that long. Yeah, you know, I think I, I think I could probably tweak some things and make a little electrical trap, I guess, out of, I don't know, pretty much anything we got here. I don't know. What do you use to shave? Oh, I'll tweak that. We'll use your shaver. Uh, bad luck on that one. And Jack flips out a uh, just a, a straight razor. Old school man. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. We love to see it. I mean, you know, some people don't want to get with the times, and I think that's okay, you know. Um, so we got plenty of other things we can use here, right? You know, transmitters, all kinds of things. I'm sure I could find something useful that we can tweak. B holds her arm a little closer to herself. <laughs> <laughs> now, I almost wonder something. Um, when that, who who was it that got? Uh, controlled by that last time me yeah if if you don't mind talking about it what what did it feel like when that thing had a hold of you i have a thought i was getting shocked i wasn't in control of myself i wonder i wonder if we got something on this ship either that can insulate us from it somehow which i mean i guess doesn't help it if it decides to crush us because it, it certainly did do that too but I almost wonder if there's something we got that might be able to short it out. Unfortunately, I'm not an a, uh, electrical engineer, so I don't really know much outside of, um, you know, the easy stuff. But, I don't know, Seabold, you, you know anything that can maybe short out a, uh, some sort of electrical system? Maybe we try and poke it with it and see if it'll, uh, shut down. Like some sort of ground? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess it couldn't hurt. I mean, what's what's another death, right? You know, I mean, at this point, um, if if we are in some sort of uh, JP Sardian no exit scenario, we might as well just sort of uh, get as many get as much information as we can, right? Which sounds extremely grim, um, but like I, much like the rest of our job, I think we're in this for the long haul until we figure it out. Jack, as you're saying that, you start to hear music, a kind of mellow electric guitar, <laughs> and as it begins to play a little bit, it in fact sounds like the song that you heard when you woke up from stasis, and also the last time you woke up from stasis. Oh no. Anybody else hear that? Hear what? What are you talking about? 
as he says it and you pause and listen, you guys do, in fact, hear it. It appears to be the beginning of Before I Disappear by Highland Rose. Uh, Ava, are you playing music? Negative. What time is it? I'm glad you asked. It is 0326, exactly 72 minutes from when you woke up. And as, you know, all the instruments come in to join this electric guitar, you guys wake up in your stasis pods. Memory desync detected. Downlink complete. Good morning, crew. It is 0214 Earth Standard Time on October 7th, 2133, at a solar orbit of Positioning Error. Your wake-up song is Before I Disappear by Highland Road. Hey everyone, Nick Yorosiva here, your warden of this season of Fables Around the Table. Continuum. Playing Mothership by Tuesday Night Games. This is what my mid-roll usually sounds like when I'm not recording it on my phone while on vacation. Here's a quick reminder of the talented people on this episode. Caitlin Camp plays Delphine. She is a Fables veteran, having appeared on Seasons Lost, Candlelight, and Greetings from Hell. She was also a guest on Tales of the Voidfair. Roger Page is Siebold. He is also a Fables veteran, having appeared on Seasons Tainted Love, Lost, and Greetings from Hell. Additionally, Roger plays Remix on our mass podcast, Cape Chronicles. He guested on Tales of the Voidfarer as well, and he's a streamer. Catch his streams at twitch.tv slash Roger. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-R-O-D-G-E-R. Andy, a.k.a. Bam Crash Kapow, plays B. She's a variety streamer, and you can catch her streams at twitch.tv slash Bam Crash Kapow. Adam Seats plays Jack. They are the co-author of any award-winning D&D 5e adventure, One Night Strahd. One Night Strahd is currently available for purchase on DMs Guild. Tanner Bivens plays Cameron in the first of a few flashbacks you'll hear over the course of this story. Fun fact, we recorded all of those flashbacks in one session, the same day as we recorded Session Zero. The players still had no idea what fate would befall poor Cameron. Tanner plays Marco Astorio on Tales of the Voidfarer, our D&D 5e actual play podcast set in the Spelljammer setting. Once again, shout out to Anna Matthews for voicing the ship's AI, Ava. Anna has also recorded voiceover previously for Fables Around the Table, Tiffany. You might have recognized the voice of Fiona L.F. Kelly as the news anchor this episode. Fiona is the executive producer and showrunner of Fables Around the Table. She has jammed and played on many Fable seasons. She plays Falcon Girl on Cape Chronicles and Ravnus on Tales of the Voidfarer. You might have also recognized the voice of Chelsea Rexinger as the voiceover in the Omniphone ad. Chelsea is our technical editor and has also jammed and played in a bunch of Fable seasons, and she plays Royale on Cape Chronicles. Chelsea also has an Etsy store selling nerdy candles. Get a custom candle inspired by your RPG character by going to etsy.com slash shop slash plot kindling candles. Boy, am I glad I have so many friends that put up with my bullshit. Lastly, as I said at the top, I am Nick Yurisiva, your humble warden. I am the GM of Tales of the Voidfarer, our any nominated D&D 5e Spelljammer podcast. I've also been on Fable Season's Curse, Lost, Super, and I play Quasi-Raptor on Cape Chronicles. 
Special thanks to the band Northern Weather for use of their song Forgive and Forget off the album A Shade of Melancholy. Also, thanks again to the band Highland Rose for use of their song Before I Disappear off the EP Dark Times. If you like this show and all the other content we create here at Project Derailed, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash projectderailed. And also join us on the Project Derailed Discord for all kinds of wacky discussion, games, memes, and more at projectderailed.com slash discord. And also follow us on social media at Table Fables Pod um, or podcast or you know what? You know where it's at. You can Google us. This mid-roll is getting kind of long. I'm just going to go back to the show. the stasis deck in your stasis pods waking up god damn it well that's the bad ending cleared that's that's gotta be just the weirdest sensation all right now you did notice once you started hearing the song you had about a minute okay so we had uh, a total time of about 72 minutes Okay. All right. <laughs> Jack gets up, looks around at everyone. All right, so we're on the same page, right? We we all, we've done this twice now. B doesn't respond. She just starts gearing up. <laughs> yep. All right. I mean, I guess I just, uh, I don't know what's happening, but I just know that we're all experiencing it. All right. Well, let's start back from where we were. Uh, and Jack goes over to Cameron's body and downloads all the audio logs. Yep. And, um, yeah, Seabold, uh-huh. if you wouldn't mind, if you want to start tinkering with some, some wild electronics here, uh, so that maybe we can find some sort of way to, uh, to fight this thing. I think we got about 20 minutes or so before, uh before that engine room explodes. Yep. Or the generator. Sounds good to me. Um, remind me, is Cameron's communicator broken? Cameron's is not. Okay, I'm going to take that. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm going to use. Yeah. Like, Jack finishes downloading the files off of it and just hands it over. Yeah. You do it. Now, are you planning on using the, the battery and the power already in it, or are you planning on, like, somehow affixing a, a larger power source to it? Um, yeah. I'll see what I can grab, like, a battery from. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there's something that's pretty expendable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can head down to Deck 10, the Tools and Weapons Locker. Uh, you're, you're intimately familiar with all the tools available because you use them almost every day to keep this fucking bucket together. Oh, also, one more thing before I leave. I look over at the wall that was punched, I guess, yesterday <laughs> in Seabold's mind. Uh, Is it fixed? Yeah. Never happened. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Uh, I don't have to fix that. Perfect. <laughs> All right. I think at that, Delphine would check the amount of fuel that we have. Uh, yeah, back to where it was. She like kind of shrugs and is just like, I mean, well, at least the fuel is still here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's super helpful. 
<laughs> All right, B. Um, what do you what you got over there for uh, for weapons? Well, at base, I've got my pulse rifle, but I can go down and see what else we have in store. Yeah, why don't, why don't you see what we're working with, uh, manufactured wise? Just just so we know, it's not like we did a whole lot to it, but God knows something's got to be better than nothing, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I do that. Alrighty. So we have B going down to check out the weapon situation. We have Seabold going down to check out the tool situation. Delphine, you went and checked fuel up on the bridge. Uh, so let's follow Seabold first. You descend. It's pretty easy to actually navigate the decks of the ship when it's in zero-G like this. Because normally it'd be like climbing a ladder all the way up the skyscraper, basically. But you could just kind of float your way up and down. Mm -hmm. So just grabbing a rung every now and again just to keep pulling yourself along. You travel all the way down through the cargo decks and down to deck 10, tools and weapons locker. And actually, B is right behind you because same deck, tools and weapons in one place. Uh, and as I as I make my way into deck ten, I like slap the roof of it, and I'm like, ha, "Beat ya!" I punch it and put another dent into it and raise an eyebrow at him. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I fucking hate you. Don't I know it? <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna start rummaging through some tools, seeing what I can find. Yeah, there's a nail gun, which is, it's colloquially called a nail gun, but it's actually like a heavy duty, like rivet gun designed to seal together sheets of metal to, for fixing hull breaches and the like. There's a foam gun also for the sealing patches, a hand welder, a laser cutter, you know, a handful of like mundane things like uh, crowbar, spanners you know, your mundane non-powered tools. You basically have pretty much anything you can think of when it comes to that. Sure. But yeah, you start inventorying that. B, I imagine you do the same thing when it comes to weapons? Yes, sir. So the way this deck is oriented is it's basically kind of divided in two, where one half of it is like a tool shed and workshop. There's the workbench that Seabold has. How, uh, how tidy do you keep your workspace, Seabold? This is kind of your space of the ship, at least this half of this deck. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say that, like, it's it's pretty organized, actually, because I think that it's it's just very meticulous. Um, Seabold actually thinks that if we don't have our shit in order, like, shit's in disorder, right? And so he's like, you know, he's got everything in order <laughs> in this system, and that's actually one of the reasons why he's not the biggest fan of Drac, because um, he always leaves his shit laying around, mm. and, um, you know, that's just not really what you should be doing. Uh, Keeping all your stuff in order. So, man. actually, I have everything labeled. Everything's in its own place. Everything... Oh, I imagine you took, like, spare fuselage paint and painted the outlines of the tools on, like, the oh, yeah. the pegboard. And, like, you know exactly where to hang them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, man, why is Siebel's personality so punchable? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my character uh, that I've decided to play. Uh-huh. What does the weapons locker look like being a space that B kind of has domain over? I think she knows how it's organized. Ah, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> but no, say more. Uh <laughs> I think at one point it was organized and tidy, but like uh -huh. the years have taken their toll and like her cynicism has taken their toll. So it's just more so like... Uh -huh. 
it, she knows where everything is and there's there, it's not like me in real life where i'm like i don't know where shit is and this place is a mess it's like this place is a mess but this is my mess and i own it yeah yeah so you guys don't have the largest weapon cache because like you're not like a military or you know battle vessel but you do have a modest selection B, your pulse rifle is actually the only one you guys have, but you do have three revolvers, you have three flare guns, and you have a combat shotgun. Okay. And then you have a decent amount of ammo for all of them. I don't think we need to track every shell encasing. <laughs> Hardcore mode. Right. Survival mode. <laughs> uh, let me see if there's anything. I mean, look, we've already gone through the meticulous, you have to order your inventory in exactly a perfect way. Uh-huh. We're just one step away from Resident Evil. Like, that was it's my fine. exact thought. Yeah. Um, I will also say that you guys have two stun batons and a trank pistol. Okay. Me just marking things in the margins of the weapons and damage uh, page that I printed out <laughs> of the PDF. Smart. I think she's going to grab the combat shotgun and appropriate ammo. She's going to grab the stun batons and the trank pistol. And I think that's probably all she can carry. Yeah. Hey, you you want to take this crowbar while you're at it? Since, uh, you know, Captain said he wanted to use something as a ground. And um, Seabolt will just kind of toss it over, not even really paying attention if you're going to catch it. It floats. Yeah. It drifts. It drifts across the space. <laughs> she just watches it pass by. Bonks off the side. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You see it put a a decent little nick in the conduit right next to the dent that B punched. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or don't grab it. Whatever, that's fine. My hands are a little bit full. If you haven't noticed, I haven't, and I'm just sitting there like actually taking ah. a, a battery out of the hand welder. And I'm just uh, uh-huh. affixing it to the communicator and just tinkering with it. Sure. So you're going to have to make me a check. Yep. So go ahead and um, that's probably going to be intellect. And you can add jerry rigging if you have that. Um, industrial equipment would also be uh, or mechanical repair or engineering would all be potential option. I'm going to add engineering because that's a plus 20. Yep. Uh, which puts me at 68 with that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll that bad boy. Uh, that is a three, so I am well under that. Ooh. This is easy peasy. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, you have everything you need. You have all the right tools. Now, um, this thing comes together exactly as you intended it, um, but uh, the trade-off is it does take a little bit of time. It's going to take pretty much the entire, like, 20 minutes or so that Jack gave you. I think by then, B has, like, left with the weapons. And maybe the crowbar, too, if she could fit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can kind of grab it and kind of tuck it in your armpit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fact that everything is zero G does make carrying the stuff easier because if you drop something, you can kind of nudge it with an elbow so it at least drifts with you mm-hmm. uh, before you can kind of scoop it back up. And uh, yeah, you take that stuff back up to presumably deck two where Jack and Delphine are leaving Seabold down on deck 10 to continue tinkering away. While you're on your way back up, back to Delphine and Jack. 
I mean, I think at this point, uh, Jack has once again cracked a beer and handed one to, to Delphine. It's just sort of staring off in the middle distance. Um, you know, Delphine, that was um, a pretty good maneuver you did. I, uh, very, very technically well executed. Very good. Uh, Takes a sip of the beer. Thanks. She looks, like, very uncomfortable with this praise, and when she cracks open the beer, she also pops a painkiller and throws that back. Yeah. Delphine's like, fuck my liver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The two of us together in this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You have one functioning liver between the two of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I remember I had snuck in a hydroponic system at one yes. point. I'm assuming that's somewhere in the, like, deck three area? Probably. Okay. That's where, like, um, in the galley, there's actually, like, racks that are designed for growing. Things like lettuce and yeah. uh, also, like, you know. Lettuce. Le- <laughs> herbs <laughs> and, uh, you know. Herbs. Herbs. Yeah. And, and I mean, herbs. You, you know Jack's herbs. got some herbs growing. You know what I'm talking about. But, um... <laughs> yeah. So you could have completely co-opted that space. <laughs> Excellent. You, you've convinced yourself the crew likes the uh, the processed rations better anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my question to that, then, I guess, is that Jack would probably pop down there for a second. Sure. Um, in hopes of finding some heavy-duty uh, and hopefully rubberized gloves. Just, you know, ones that you might use for, like, handling kind of shitty chemicals for yeah. for plant things. Yeah. Um, in hopes that also if we end up having to touch this thing again, have some sort of barrier. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, easily. You can find that. The, um, there are probably two pairs in that space. Both are kind of you know stained and beat up and used but they definitely would function and you would also know that Seabold probably has more than one pair of like welding gloves um and similar work gloves down below got it um yeah i think jack will grab those and then toss the uh the spare pair back to delphine and uh like you know if that thing comes back up on us i don't know how much good these are gonna do but it might buy us a couple seconds at least I was thinking about that. Um, so I'm not great in a fight. Yeah. I was thinking about the recording. Yeah. And Cam's pal said that they'd hidden all that data. Mm-hmm. It's probably the key to getting out of here. Oh, almost certainly. And if I'm fast enough, I think I can at least get some of it. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's a great plan. Great. Thanks. Um, I realize we're probably cutting it a little close this time, by which I mean I'm checking my watch as we're as we're talking to see uh, <laughs> how far we are out from explosion time. You're like two minutes away. Yeah. All right. Well, that thing's going to blow here in a second, but I seem to recall we, uh, we can still access the individual terminals as we got to them. Yes. Is that right, Nick? So that thing's going to blow up. That thing's gonna start coming down from from the power to where we were, and we weren't really keeping track of time when it got to us. So I don't exactly know when it's gonna show up, but my thought is if we start 
making our way, uh, I guess counterclockwise, we might be able to just rush it as far as we can and just see what we can find. The entire ship shakes in this moment. Like clockwork. Like clockwork. Well, yeah, what do you think, Delphine? It's as good a plan as any. All right. You've had worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're about to have worse again, but that's that's fine. Do I get there before the explosion happens? I think you're just finishing up your tinkering when that happens. Okay, cool. Got it. And as I, as that happens, I'm like, just in time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how good Seabold is in a fight, but maybe, uh, maybe the two of you head off and just start making your way back. Uh... I mean, we'll talk to Seabull when he gets back, but I think probably if if me and B can uh, hold off the creature, maybe maybe the two of you guys can start poking around, keep each other safe. Mm, Delphine looks a little bit doubtful, but not. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll be able to defend yourself a little bit better with this stuff. Oh, yeah. We also have revolvers and flare guns, but seeing as this thing can take control of us, I was trying to think of things that weren't as shooty as my pulse rifle. True. Good point. That's a good point. Um, well, yeah, I guess Jack pulls out. Are, you're, are you counting uh, Jack's revolver in that stash of revolvers? No, I would imagine that Jack like kept that on him or near his pod. Okay. I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, I think that's probably fair. So I guess Jack grabs his revolver um, and I think maybe grabs one of the other revolvers and some extra ammo. Sure. Um, Nick, I have a, a question that could we have some sort of standard unit of it takes us this long now that we know what is in our ship it takes us this long to assemble the things that the we things, want yeah yeah i'll say if you are on it from the jump you guys can like collect all the weapons like within 15 minutes and like seabold okay. will probably get faster at tinkering that specific tool each iteration cool mhm now that you guys have experienced a loop without dying, I'm going to give you just a peek behind the scenes of how I'm tracking time, so that'll better help you keep track of time. Now, you can always ask me how much time has passed at any time, and I'll tell you. Sure. But I'm loosely tracking the loop as six scenes that are approximately 12 minutes long. All right. Now, that has some wiggle room, because some scenes might be quicker than others, but I'm loosely tracking it as, like, a moment where you guys talk about stuff is going to be a scene. And then like a moment where you guys all go off and do stuff is a scene like that sort of thing. So now three scenes have passed on this loop, which is when the explosion happens at the end of scene three, 36 minutes in makes sense. And the other thing too, is so long as you're not impeded moving about the station from one module to another would only be at like cost a scene. So it doesn't matter how many modules it is away, so long as you can get there unimpeded, um, it only costs like a scene to do. Cool. We'll get into the nitty like nitty gritty on that. I, I'm just trying to give you like a rough idea so you kind of know what you're working with. Um, and moving like adjacent uh, modules, what well, doesn't cost a scene on its own? It would just be whatever happens in the next module would be the next scene. Okay. Well, um, I guess in that case, if we are all. Uh equipped so to speak do we remember if there's still atmosphere once the yeah. explosion has happened in the ship or do we need nope. uh, exosuits it still it still seemed like there was atmosphere okay um well 
we can see if that changes and we get to experience the horrors of uh, depressurizing in space later. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess Jack's just going to move towards the airlock um, at this point. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well see as far as we can get, I guess. Did uh, Delphine and Siebold grab weapons? Already have a rigging gun. I I have down that Delphine has a revolver. Okay. But that's it. Cool. Jack will move up to the uh, computer that will... Um, open the airlock, and if I remember right, there's a dead body right on the other side of it. Yep, sure is. Mm -hmm. The airlock opens. Do you see a body in a vac suit with a handful of bullet holes in it, beads of red blood floating in the air around it, and a shattered hand terminal nearby. This is the body of Ira. He also has a fob that we want, right? He does. Yes. Um, I'll take his key fob. Yep. You have a green level clearance key fob. Excellent. Um, I look in the direction of Module 7, since that's where the, the horrible creature came from last time. Yeah. So you, you enter into Module 6, which is the Crew Commons module. It's a uh, three-tiered module where you enter through the galley. You know, you see off to the one side, basically uh, self-serve kitchen units and places for people to sit. Although tables and chairs are now kind of oriented as if they were on the wall behind you because you're coming up through the floor, but you're oriented as like facing upwards. There's a large circular portal in the middle deck that looks allows you to see out through the observation cupola on the other side and you get that glimpse of the black hole yet again. So floating up to the middle deck, which is the level in which uh, the ports to the left and the right uh, continue, the one to the right going backwards to module five and the one on the left going to module seven. And the door to module seven, it's like almost like an airlock, the PMA pressurized mating adapter, the modular connector between the major modules. Both doors are open, allowing you to see into module seven, which I don't think you guys ever didn't actually go into. Mm -mm. No, um, and I don't want to now either, actually, right. as it turns out. I would like to do the opposite of that. Sure. Um, is, is there any way to close that door? There is a panel next to the door. Okay. Um, I would love to close it and uh, potentially use Ira's key fob to lock that door for as much good as that's going to do for us. You can close it with the key fob. Um, however, you can't manually lock it at green level clearance. You would, in fact, need orange level clearance to lock the door. Got it. Is that level four? That was level three. Wasn't this room full of bodies? It is. It does. And a handful of bodies in security gear floating around. There are, you know, some weapons floating around. Do I see any orange fobs floating around? <laughs> you, could, you could look. <laughs> I think... Delphine would look. Yeah. Sure. I would say make a... Or how about this? I don't think a check is necessarily needed here, but I will say how much time do you want to devote to looking? Um, not too long, honestly. Okay. Just, like, I guess uh, more, a little more than a cursory look where it's more like she rather uh, dispassionately... Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that she like dispassionately like grabs a body, looks it over, kind of eats it away. It drifts away in the zero G. Grabs another one. Uh huh. Pat 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 pat. Push. Got anything I need? No. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. There's not that many bodies. There's probably three floating in here. There looks like there's more in Module 7. I mean, you do, in fact, uh, Jack, see the body in the vac suit with the blown-out face visor 
drifting there and um, something within. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I see anything in there with my infrared goggles slash eye? Yeah, um, you could switch your prosthetic eye to infrared. Um, yeah. And the bodies do seem like they still have a residual heat to them. They're not that recently dead. Um, probably no more than an hour, maybe two. And you do catch a heat source, not overly warm, coming from whatever it is within the visor of this one particular body. Now, the room as you peek into it, which I don't think I fully described it, it's the deck that the ports are on extends all the way across, and there is an identical port into PMA87 on the other side. And there's stairs that descend down a deck. I mean, you can almost see the tops of rows of stasis pods. On this deck, uh, there are windows to both sides, but on both ends of the room, there are personnel lockers um, and benches and stuff. Um, And you can see through an opening onto the deck above that it looks like there are uh, showers and hygiene stations on the deck above. You're looking into the crew hab module. And I imagine Jack doesn't waste any time. No. Shutting the door? No, if we can shut the door, and if we can't, um, if we can't, digitally lock it in any way there there's no um there's no way to like physically bar the door so that it wouldn't open is there like i assume it's just two halves that sort of shut or like some sort of aperture uh yeah it's not an aperture it's a door that pushes into the pressurized mating adapter like the chamber beyond Mm. and then pivots up so it's on like kind of a pivoting hinge where it kind of slides down and then into place, creating a seal. Is there any way to jam it? Like, Um, to jam something in that seal area? It would be tough. It would be easier to do it on the other door, like traveling through PMA-7-6 and shutting the door into Module 7. Yeah. uh, Because the door opens into PMA-7-6. Got it. Um, And that you could, like, find furniture in module six the crew commons that you could presumably use to jam the hinge mechanism could also probably use the foam gun that we have on the ship yeah uh you do also have a a welder i believe which i have ruined for this but oh (laughs) but you know what no um i mean we know it's over there um i'll just very very quietly say uh, to the crew, which I'm going to stage whisper here because we are acting. Um, Act, <laughs> acting. Hey, everyone. Um, it's it's over there. Just keep your eye on on the door here. Just if if it opens, somebody holler because uh, it might be time to rock and roll. But let's just go the other way. <laughs> let's just go towards module five and hope it doesn't come after us. Me keeps her gun trained on the door. Where do we know that these um, communication stations are? Uh, so the one that you used in module uh-huh. six was located on the center deck, uh, deck 061. And uh, just kind of in the center of the room, off to the one side, uh, in the recreation area. Sure. Okay. You imagine that the terminals will be located in slightly different places depending on what the module's function is and the general layout. Um, you only glanced into uh, Module 7, but you didn't immediately see where the terminal was. Um, it could have been it could have been a deck above, but it also could have been a deck below. Hmm. All right. Well, um, 
might as well grab the info from module six again and then move towards module five if we can. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, so uh, you're able to recover the information again off of Module 6, which, if you recall, is um, it seems to be a recording of like an investor meeting, um, and specifically a snippet of that that is talking about the history of the station, um, how it was founded by a TN Mining Group, and uh, because they discovered this black hole and alien craft, and then that group would eventually be acquired by Valkyrie, who co-opted the entire operation for their own nefarious Yeah. Nefarious? Valkyrie? What? No. What? No. Uh, what I would like to do as well is grab uh, a piece of furniture or something like a, a chair to do that exact same thing you were talking about, but as sure. we go through the uh, through the airlock towards Module 5 sure. to, to jam that door yeah, shut. Absolutely. Y'all good with that? Works for me. As you're going into Module 5, it is now 3.02, so 48 minutes. So, um, yeah, you could totally do that. Grab a chair. And the way it works is these chairs are kind of bolted to the floor by default, but they have, like, quick-release pins. Because under normal circumstances, uh, the station would be rotating and have centripetal gravity. Sure. So you're able to kind of pull a release pin and drift a chair over to PMA 5.6. And once that door is shut, you can jam one of the legs kind of across the two pneumatic rods that come down on the top. And you can kind of just gum up any attempt for the door to open. It may not keep the door shut entirely, but how well it works is yet to be determined. You know, better than nothing, right? Right. If nothing else, it'll slow it down, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. But yeah, you find yourself in Module 5. Labels on the walls indicate that Module 5 is SSM, StatSec, and Medical. And it seems that this module is partitioned into two. You enter on Deck 051A, the sick bay. There are six sick beds, three to each side, also bolted to the floor with kind of simple medical monitoring gear embedded in the walls behind them. There is a staircase uh, to your left that go up to a deck above that is only about half of this room with glass window that looks out over the rest of the sick bay. And then there is a, a ladder that descends downward and a label on that hatch says Deck 050A, Morgan Cold Storage. Ugh. And then the door across from you appears to be the portal into the station security HQ. Oh, we should go there. Don't we need to look for a terminal here? But, oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you said the station security was in this place as well. So the module is both station security and medical. You're in the medical side. Through the door in front of you across the sick bay goes into station security. Uh, you do not see an Isaac terminal anywhere in the sick bay. You could check the deck above or go into the station security or the deck below. I think exploring the morgue is something to do when we are further back in our timer. Yes. Um, <laughs> so... Um, it's all the same to you guys. Why don't we, uh, why don't we see what we can find in the station security? Just see if there's anything hiding in there that might be useful. Lead the way. Yeah, Jack just strides on. Yeah. Or floats on. Sounds good. <laughs> you do notice as you, uh, cross this sick bay, in addition to the ladder that descends through a hatch, there is a large, uh, kind of trapdoor style hatch in the middle of the sick bay. Um, that you presume is how they get bodies down there. That's a lift. Hmm. 
But yeah, with your green access fob, you can open the door into station security and you see that uh, you see a handful of desks in here. It kind of looks like the future sci-fi equivalent of like your standard police officer uh, main office area with kind of desks scattered around and and stuff. There's uh, various kind of pockets and folders um, on the walls and various uh, subsystem monitoring systems here. It does look like there is similar, like almost a mirror to the medical half of the module. There is a deck above that only extends about halfway and you actually are looking at like the glass window side now and it looks like some sort of office up there. And then there is a, a trap door here as well that descends and a hatch and ladder that is labeled Deco 50B Brig. Mm. Well, I think uh, a little bit of divide and conquer might be useful here. I'm going to go ahead and hop up to that office. Uh, y'all check around down here and uh, see what you can find. Sure. Send me to the brig, Captain. <laughs> uh, that's the only time it's going to happen, probably. <laughs> I guess we'll see. And yeah, I mean, Jack will just Superman jump his way towards the towards the office if there's zero gravity here. There is zero gravity, um, but the overlook over the Statsec HQ is a glass window. The whole thing. Oh, I gotcha. I thought it might have been some sort of observation deck with a open access, but that's fine. Yeah, new. There is a staircase that goes up to the office on the left-hand side. You're going to go to the corner and wrap around, and it goes up. And as you head up the steps and get to a door, you see that it requires yellow level clearance to get into the StatSec office. I shoot it. You shoot it? Sure. I shoot it. We don't have a lot of time. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead and make a, uh, uh, we'll say a, a combat check. Sure. And uh, yeah, I'll let you add jury rigging if you have that. I sure don't. Best I got for you is uh, zero G because we're in zero G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but what you're doing isn't related to being a disaster. No, it sure isn't. <laughs> zero G is a detriment, but you do, at the very least, you know to brace yourself so the kickback from the gun doesn't send you drifting away from the stairs into the ceiling. Uh, as funny as that would be. Right. Uh, yeah, so just go ahead and make me a combat roll. All right. Uh, let's see. What? Uh, oh, just combat. There we go. Um, roll. That's a that's a big failure, my guy. Uh, I needed a thirty nine. I got an eighty three. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a big failure. Yeah. So Delphine B and Seabold, you suddenly hear a gunshot coming from the direction where Jack went, floating his way up the stairs to the SatSec office. Seabold, you only just now got down into the brig, mm-hmm. and uh, you see, um, I guess I should describe what you see before you're interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you descend down the ladder, and the room that you descend down into appears to be a like an interrogation room almost there's like a table and chairs to either side and then to the left and to the right so like kind of in the direction of module four and then back towards medical there is uh, partition walls that are some sort of glass and then there's a door like a cell door in each one and uh there doesn't appear to be anybody down here except you do see a figure in one of the cells in station security uniform and it appears that he had put his own gun in his mouth 
while in this cell, locking himself in and taking his own life. Oh. Floating there beyond the glass. You see beads of blood floating in the zero-G, as well as much of it kind of sticking to the the wall behind him. Oh, pretty morbid. Yeah. Um, okay. (laughs) Almost like we're playing a horror game. Almost. Yeah. As I'm kind of taking that in, I'm like scanning to see if I notice any yellow access passes. You don't. Um, You do see that getting into the cell does require a yellow access pass. Mm. You do see the guy in the cell has an orange level clearance. Mm. Okay. Noted. Um, Okay, but there's no terminal down here? No, you don't see a terminal down here. Okay. So I I see that and then the gunshot, yeah. Yeah, then you hear a gunshot. As Seabold is looking at this guy with his face blown out from this gunshot he hears the gunshot and i think that that makes him jump a bit because Uh he's like oh shit did that just happen right now (laughs) and then he's like wait no that's coming from somewhere else Uh (laughs) and kind of turns to look in in the direction of the shot yeah so you guys hear this gunshot so i think b's gonna make her way up there immediately like gun drawn like looking around looking for the threat yep Jack, the, the bullet ricochets um, off of the door and embeds itself in the stairs. Jack just puts his hands up. Hey, sorry, I was uh, trying to do a shortcut here. It looks like, um, looks like it's a bad idea. I'm trying to shoot my way through this fucking yellow lock. Move over. <laughs> Jack complies immediately. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I have firearms, which I think is applicable to this situation. I Yeah, I mean... Shooting, uh, shooting, shooting anything. Uh, yeah, you can apply your firearms. I definitely want to um, try the same maneuver. Sure. So I have to get under a 64. Okay. And I rolled a four. Hell a yes. Four. Wow. Yeah, you, you hit this lock square, completely destroying the mechanism. The door does not open. Damn it. Son of a I, bitch. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, I think we've advanced in technology in the year of our Lord 2133 that <laughs> shooting an electronic lock is not going to unlock the door. But uh, I like the way you're thinking. However, you did make a lot of noise. And that's when you hear the hatch that, uh, Jack, you jam shut shift. Um, Seabold coming up from the brig goes, why are you two just shooting at a lock? Seemed like a good idea at the time. And then, uh, I guess Jack looks at, uh, where that sound came from. Do we, do we see the creature or is it just. So you, uh, Seabold, you're coming up from the brig Mm -hmm. onto Deco 51B, um, StatSec HQ. And basically all of you congregating there and you, you look through the door that you came through, through the med bay into PMA 65 and see that the hatch has shifted only about an inch and a half before it gets jammed with the chair that's stuck within the opening mechanism on this side. And you see a tentacle kind of under the door feeling around and then another tentacle and then another one and another one. And you see this fleshy mass push its way through this tiny gap one of its teeth kind of sticking out you see it almost as it mushes through almost fold in on itself as you recall when it attacked you its mouth doesn't go anywhere it's just like a hole through its body and the thing actually rolls inside out 
pulling a full 360, dragging all its tentacles basically through its own mouth, allowing it to conveyor belt roll itself through the gap before it kind of pops back into its form, floating there. And then tentacles reach out and grab conduits and railings and it launches itself across the space at you. And that's where we'll pick up next. Enhance your life with the new Omniphone X30 by Ether. The only fully CNI compatible hand terminal for everyday life, planet side, or among the stars. Speak with one of our friendly certified Omnipros about upgrading today at an Omni store near you. Back on Toral, I was a nobody. I got teleported out here, and here I'm something. I'm somebody. The Voidfarer begins maneuvering towards this 200-meter-long space whale. To handle one of these, you need grit. Is that something you have? I'm a tiny little guy. Of course I got grit. If you tried anything, it would end very poorly for you. This alithid dreadnought warps away, accelerating to spell jamming speed as quickly as they arrive. Who the fuck? <laughs> what am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. I like that. We're crew. That is a natural one. <sighs> you send yourself sailing out the side of the ship, untethered. Oh. I'm putting a python into the ground. I'm wrapping my rope around it, but I'm jumping into the gravity well. <laughs> a gnome, a halfling, and a half-orc walk into a bar. I forget the middle part, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's hideous laughter. Climb aboard for Tales of the Voidfarer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, my consequences have actions. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why do you want to be a hero? Yeah, she's gonna sort of like uh, drop down out of the sky and try to kick him like, you know, square in the chest. Look, I don't know what you're fucking trying to do here, but I don't make deals with enemies who put grenades in a box like they're the $5 movie bin. Release mystery, or you all will be the ones that are extinct. I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with Royale as a corgi. You're right, it's fucking not funny. I mean, literally no one would find this funny. Remix, use the dragon filter, that would make it funny. It's just like man standing emoji. Just T-posing in the corner. <laughs> Who is your contact? Benchmark. Who? Hey, I just need Buzz Nest for like one minute, and then you guys can go back to whatever you were doing. Check out season two of Cape Chronicles starting Wednesday, October 5th, every first and third Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. File folders contain important information. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So, do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy we shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely. Didn't know it all, the people. 
That was crazy. Holy fuck, Mike Mitchell. Why? Well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies. Justin McElroy. Grab your tongue. Grab your tongue, and I want you to say Our "born tongue. on a pirate ship." Born on a pirate ship. You were born on a pile of shit, and many more. So check it out. But also, if you don't like bare naked ladies, we talk about them probably like a third of the time. So. Uh, yes. That's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. ProjectDerailed.com